I um, have something I wanted to share with you because there's people today that don't believe that Israel as a nation has a future. And I want to make sure you understand what the Bible says about that. I do not believe in replacement theology that the church is replacing Israel. Look up here. God had made promises to the nation of Israel. He made a promise to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. There were promises made. There was a law that was given. Christ came. And so many people believe that the church has supplanted the nation of Israel. And therefore, there is not going to be a millennium in the future of the Davidic reign of the nation of Israel, where Christ will be here and David will be here as the king of Israel. And so they don't believe this is going to take place. Many believe that the church is going to do such a good job that we're going to win the nations to the Lord. And so everybody's going to, you know, reach this utopia. And uh, therefore, we're going to bring in this kingdom because we're going to produce it. And if Christ wants to have any fun in it, he better get down here because he's going to miss out. Well, I'm not sure I buy all of that. But there are people that believe it. And so I want to show you, I do not believe that the promises that God made are null and void. I believe that they are real promises and that they will be fulfilled just like the Lord says. So turn in your Bible to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is on page 362. Old Schofield Reference Bible. Does the church replace Israel? No, it does not. And I want to explain it to you because it makes a difference on what we consider to be the nation of Israel today, the Jewish people. Many people believe that America is now the new Jerusalem, the new Israel, and I do not buy that. I do not believe that. I believe that God is going to have a fulfillment of his promises that he made to the nation of Israel that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it will happen just like he said. So you'll notice here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, look there in verse 2, that the king said unto Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. The king said that. And talking about David, he wanted to build a temple for the Lord himself. And he says, I want to build one, but the Lord says you've got too much blood on your hands, but you get all the stuff together, and I'll have your son after you. Solomon will build it. And that's why it's called Solomon's Temple. But he also made some statements that I think is very well looking at. Look there in verse 10. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in the place, a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. God has made some promises that he has a place for Israel. He's going to give them a particular land, plant them in their land, and they'll not be rooted out anymore. Now, as we know, they have been rooted out several times, but God is looking on down the road 
to the finality of everything that he promises, and he says so, this is what's going to take place. And if you want to know, does the Bible really tell us things that we can believe and see that it's true? Because I can't see God, and I can't see heaven, and I can't see hell, but the Bible gives me enough information that I should be able to say, you know, he said this, and it happened. He said this, and it happened. You know, it just might happen that this is true, too. God has said we are hard-headed and stiff-necked, and I'm going to show you things in advance so that whenever it happens, you know, I told you so. Look what he also says here in verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, talking about David, whenever you're dead and gone... I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. For how long? Now, that's what he said. But, you know, you can't believe what God says, right? No, you can't believe what God says. So he says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Now, that is a reference also that goes beyond the seed of Solomon and Nathan after him. It goes on down the road till you get to the person called Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was of the seed of David. And he could claim the throne of David because he was of the right family, the right lineage, the right line, the nation, the tribe, everything. And he was born just like he was supposed to be born in a certain place, in a certain year, he was right on schedule. God has things laid out. So when Jesus Christ came, the Bible says that he would rule and reign. Well, he hasn't done that yet, but God promised that he would. God promised that he would be the king of Israel, and he hasn't been the king of a kingdom yet here. Now, he is the king, and he is also the head of the church. When he makes this statement there in verse 16, he says, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established for how long? Forever. Before the, thy throne shall be established forever. That sounds like a long time to me. He says that he is going to establish a kingdom that will be upon the earth and it will last forever. And he also made a statement in the book of Luke, And the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, he gets down into here and he makes a few statements, but look at verse 23. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee for how long? See, he's talking about the nation of Israel will be a people forever, and thou, God, art become thy God. This is what God promised. Now, did God change everything and it's not going to work anymore because Israel really messed up and so now they've been scattered upon the face of the earth? And we don't know who they are. We don't know where the tribes are. And so everybody's lost. And so, is, no. Believe the word of God. And you'll understand more about what's going on in the world today. And it doesn't look good for a little old 
tiny nation called Israel. But God has made some promises. And you might as well just believe what the Bible says. It doesn't matter how many Muslim nations want to destroy the nation of Israel. Israel is not going to be annihilated. The people will always be a people. There will always be a remnant of Israel. Now, Israel is the best testimony that there is a nation like Israel. Believe in what God says, that it is true. If you want to know if the Bible is true, look how many nations there are that would love to destroy this one little bitty tiny nation, and God said it would be like that. So therefore, you're having things fulfilled in our time, in real time, and you can know the truth. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Daniel in chapter 2. The book of Daniel in chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 and look in verse 44. As time moves on, understand that God is going to have this kingdom set up. And in Daniel chapter 2, he makes this statement. And in the days of these kings, this is on page 902, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. God is going to set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Isn't that what he said? And, and is that what he said? And he says, And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand for how long? Forever. So now this is later on in the book of Daniel. Now we're talking here about maybe 600 years before Christ came. But the word of God tells us that there's going to be a kingdom, that there's going to be this last world ruling power set up by Christ himself that will last forever. Now there's always imitators. And the imitators are here and they are real. Now let me show you this. This is Christ. When Christ died on the cross, he paid for all the sins of all the world. That means all the people before Christ, all the people after Christ, He's already died and paid for all the sins of every individual. So every individual can have salvation. They were saved looking forward to Christ, to the payment that would be made for their sins. We're saved looking back to the cross. So history is his story. It's all about the Lord. It's either before Christ or after Christ. He is the central figure in history. Therefore, Christ came right on schedule just like it was prophesied. When we talk about he's going to set up a kingdom, in the Old Testament it says that he's going to have a kingdom set up on the earth. This Davidic kingdom right here is a thousand year reign upon the earth. Then the Bible talks about there will be a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, but then he says the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end to it. No end. So God has told us what he's going to do, and he's also got a calendar, and he's laid it out. Something you'll find when you read in the Old Testament, you see, and in the process of time, and in the process of time, and in the process of time, it means time is being processed. It's coming on down the road, and now we're down to here. This is where we are right now, according to God's timetable. 
The next thing that we can look forward to is for the rapture to take place. We'll be snatched out of this world in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what's going to happen next. Then the Bible describes a seven-year period of tribulation upon the earth. The worst period of time that the world has ever known lies right ahead of us, and it's not a utopia. It means that everybody in Washington is not going to solve the world's problems. The United Nations are not going to solve the world's problems. They are the problem, and it is government that is becoming our problem. It's like Nobody has any common sense anymore. They don't need common core. They need common sense. But then that's another sermon. Now, look in chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. And look in verse 1. Verse 1. Talking about Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon. Here in verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought miracles toward me. How great are his signs! How mighty are his wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now understand this. There's two main things that we find. In the book of Matthew, and it's only found in the book of Matthew, is a phrase called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is this, when the king comes and sets up the kingdom upon the earth. That's the kingdom of heaven found in the book of Matthew. Now, you'll also see a lot of scriptures all over the Bible that talks about the kingdom of God. But remember this. Remember when Nicodemus came to see Jesus and um, Jesus says, that unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It means from the very beginning to the very end, everyone who trusts Christ as their Savior are placed into the kingdom of God. You have been translated into the kingdom of God. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So the kingdom of God is this spiritual world in which he is the king of, and he rules that. There's the kingdom of darkness, which is the world, and which is the devil and all of his demons, and that's the, where the works of the flesh are done. So when you and I trusted Christ as our Savior, we were born into God's kingdom, into his new family into spiritual life and that is the kingdom of God so in the kingdom of God there is a kingdom of heaven and this kingdom of heaven is a literal on the earth rule that God talks about and he says you cannot get into the kingdom unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees which were the law keepers which means that you had to have a righteousness which was better than all the religious leaders of that day, the lawyers of that day, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. All of those weren't good enough. That's why Christ came to give us His righteousness. His righteousness makes us as righteous as God. And that is the gift of God. 
When you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gives to you as a free gift everlasting life. Now look there in the book of Daniel in chapter 7. Daniel in chapter 7. And look in verse 27. The Bible talks about that in the last days, things are going to take place. During this seven-year tribulation period upon the earth, the Bible talks about the nations of the earth are going to come together and form a one-world government. That's the beast that comes out of the sea. There will be a one-world religion. That's the beast that comes out of the land. So there's two beasts, one religious and one political. And so you've got to capture a man's mind before you can control the man. So there's going to be moves on to try to determine how a man thinks. Not only how he thinks, but what he thinks. They've got to have a way to determine what you think and how you think. This is why there's such a dumbing down process in our public education today. This is why the government wants to get control of the children because you cannot preserve a nation unless you can preserve the education of the children. So the parents have given our children to the government and they eliminate God and they eliminate the Bible, they eliminate Christianity, they eliminate the morality, they eliminate everything that you need to stabilize a society. Because they can't think for themselves. They have to be controlled by more and more regulations. And that's why you see us losing freedom and we're not gaining anything. We're going downhill. This is the tribulation period, the worst period of time the world has ever known. And the nations are going to come together and they're going to give their power to one person. And if we only had one government and one leader, then we'll have peace. But what if it's the wrong kind of a leader? Now what you going to do? When they can control the world, what you going to do if it's wrong and it takes away all of your freedom? How do you get it back? How would you ever get it back? See, that's what's going to happen here. And then, lo and behold, the light is shining from the east to the west, and boom, the Son of Man comes in power and great glory. And the only way you can solve this problem is with this solution. Then he's coming. He is coming. So here in chapter 7, look in verse 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. So there is a day coming when Christ comes back, we are going to be in a kingdom here, and there will still be nations upon the earth, but we'll be here for a thousand years. It'll be like a utopia. It'll be like the Garden of Eden once again. And the Bible says, and the saints shall rule. Right now, there's all these movements trying to eliminate Christianity. And the world gets darker and darker and darker because there's less light. Saints are the light of the world. We are the preservative, the salt of the earth. Therefore, we do make a difference, but we're slowly losing our influence and our impact. And this is where we stand. So take your Bible now and turn to the book of Hosea. Just go to the next book to your right there. Hosea, chapter 3. Hosea, chapter 3. 
And look in verse 4. In verse 4. And look what he says here. This is written over 700 years before Christ came. He says, this is what's going to be prophesied for the future. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without a teraphim. In other words, the temple is going to be destroyed. The temple destroyed, Israel will be scattered upon the face of the earth, and they will not have a king. Look up here. There was a curse put upon the line of Jeconiah because of his sin and rebellion against the Lord. And he was taken by Nebuchadnezzar, and he was watching as his two sons were killed, and he was blinded. And the Bible says that none of his seed would ever sit upon the throne of Israel. And yet he was in the line of which the line comes from. So how in the world is he ever going to have a son set upon the throne of Israel? God always has a way. It would take a virgin birth. And that's why Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Because it was the Lord who planted the seed within the womb of Mary and says, that holy thing shall be called the son of the highest. And Jesus Christ was in the right line, but he did not have an earthly father because God put a curse upon the line. So Christ is the only one who can claim the throne of Israel or Israel is forever without a king. And so the Bible says that Christ was rejected and crucified and they have abided many days without a king. Israel has not had a king since. But is Israel going to one day have a king? Yes, they will. Look there in verse 5. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. This has not yet been fulfilled. Israel has gone back to the land and become a nation from all the various nations. It's never happened before. Of all the nations on the earth, it's never happened to any nation, but it happened to Israel. Just like God said. And they've gone back, become established as a nation, but they're not back in belief. They're still back in rebellion. And the day is coming when God is going to lure the boom by using the nations of the earth as a rod to whip his people Israel. And when Israel sees that they have nothing left, they're near annihilation, God is going to have to miraculously deliver and that's when the nation of Israel will be saved in a day. When they will see their Messiah and say, where did you get the scars that are in your hands? He says, I received those when I came the first time in the house of my friends. And they will see and they will know and they will believe on the Lord. I think it's awesome. What a story. Also, look there in the book of Hosea in chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. Now look in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. So Israel has been smitten and scattered. And then he says in verse 2, After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. This is the, the day of rest. See, it's like from creation to the flood, 
about 2,000 years. From the flood to the cross, about 2,000 years. From the cross until here is about 2,000 years. And this is 1,000 years. You've got six days and a day of rest. God has already figured it all out. We're right dead on schedule. And how long, he says, one day is a 1,000 years, 1,000 years is a day. You can have all the fun you want to. I believe this book. I believe God knows what he's doing. And so I, yes, I believe this. Now take your Bible and turn to Amos, the book of Amos, chapter 9. Just go to your right a couple pages there, page 940. To the book of Amos. And notice here in the book of Amos, in verse 9, this is where God had made some prophecies about this great nation of Israel. And verse 9 says, For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. Now, God says, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to send Israel all the nations. All right. This is before it happened. Has it happened? Israel, the Jewish people, were scattered and they went all over the world. And then, May the 28th, 1948, become a nation. They come, and here they come. And God ain't through yet. But here, the biggest thing is going to be is they're going to make a peace treaty with Israel. Isn't it amazing that all the presidents have tried to get a peace treaty made with Israel? But there can be no real peace without the Prince of Peace. So they've gone through a mockery of things and, well, the, the PLO and, the, you know, the Hamas and all these. Listen, Israel is going to be duped into believing that they're going to have peace. And they're going to sign a peace treaty. And they're going to be fooled. They're going to believe that this last one to guarantee them peace is like the Messiah. And Jesus says if he comes in his own name, they'll believe it. But he came in his name and they won't believe that. So look what he says. In verse 11, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. So this is not a reference to the church. He is not saying all these things, then I'm going to forget all about that, and we're just gonna, I'm just going to start the church age. Now, this is the church age, but this started when Israel was scattered. And it's going to end. And when it ends, the tribulation period begins. And this, and this is all about Israel. It's out there in the future. It's been almost 2,000 years. But the promises of God will hold true. It will happen just like he said it would.